Billboard Outlaw and uh, Paul Bradford. Going to BQ on 11 August 2007. First shout out to Gavin Verhey. Your stupid pickles are going to run this day. Red would win nearly as much as it does. 
Uh, it's still a very good bet. I think it's very underrated. Um, and I think it will be a lot of good players today. Cool. So I took the deck, basic deck, and I uh, chopped all the red, chopped all the white. Chopped out my only coma glaze. Leave my only green cards being uh, rips in the sideboard and blessings in the main deck. It looks really solid now. Uh, it's, it's a basically a blue-black pickle set uh, that has a little bit of uh, a teaching involved. Uh, such as the fairy and uh, slaughter pads. It's this shit now. It's a great card. for both the beer and against mono blue. And it's kind of the flavors out there now. It's a traders. Card draw choice. Solid for consideration. Um, all in all, it's, it's really solid now. It's just going to be a lot of money. Not greedy. So very greedy. I can't play that because it's not greedy. <laughs> I, I, I really wouldn't argue with that. I, I would try to argue with that a little bit more if it wasn't this format. I think this black format is a very greedy format. I think the extra card draw will be very well for today, especially in here. Last night, the experiment is playing a magic ice and playing a magic for the most back in the next hour to see us with it. It's pretty funny. They two green deck players go. So, but, yeah. Hey, that's funny. Alright, so. Uh, we're still driving up towards the ballpark now. So, it's top of the day. Right. 
required a very high level of skill to play correctly. And I think that because teachings is less powerful of a deck, I think, I, to be honest with you, I, think I would have to go with the teachings deck as needing to be a better, a more skilled player to play it correctly. It's because it's less power, you think it requires more skill. Yes. Yes, because the deck just doesn't win on its own. You have to make the right place at the right time, whereas gifts, you don't, you can play a big creature and still win. Or you can gifts wrong and the cards that you get are just powerful enough to win the game. <laughs> so the reason, the reason I bring up that question to be with is, in retrospect, I regret not playing a gift deck in the Kamigawa block season. Instead, I got... When early on, when I was trying to figure out how to play gifts, and I was playing a couple other decks, I got uh, smacked around badly by someone we know by the name of R.C., Robert Crowley, for... Uh, he was playing a mono-black aggro deck using... Four or five demons that made all black creatures not able to block in a in a duty deck, basically. And I got kind of uh, fancied by that whole deck idea and took it to a Grand Prix in three PTQs. And the best I did was one round out of uh, a uh, one round out of the top eight. No, actually four PTQs. I made two tournaments where I was one round away from top eight with it, but the other two I was like three and five in. The deck wasn't bad, it just, it's like White Weenie, it either wins or it doesn't. Well, it was underpowered versus White Weenie. White Weenie had some really better tools to it. And, but the real problem was is that I let myself, convince myself I wasn't good enough player to play gifts. And then took that and went with a, a, a deck that I didn't commit to for the whole season that wasn't good enough to truly be a tier one deck. Instead of getting to practice with gifts, which practice is what makes you good with the deck. Or learning to be a good enough player with, with that deck. And with teachings, I recognize the fact that, that I made that mistake before and therefore I'm making the effort, to, I made the effort online to try to understand teachings well enough, I think, well, I'm a little bit out of practice now because I haven't really played much in the past few weeks, just to see if I can hold my own with it. But I was, as I was playing it online, I got more and more greedy and went more and more, and more directions and colors with it, too. So, you know, I was looking at every possible option, and then you saw the, the end result with the five-color teachings that I was running at the time. But now I've simplified it, so... Hopefully, to be a better choice in this metagame than what I originally had. I, I think it will do well. I, I think the extra pickles, I think that the base synergy around winning with pickles combo is good, is a good idea. Um, I don't know how good your match will be against the mono blue pickles, but I do think you'll have a great match against like, the teaching stacks in general and core control. And, uh, I, I don't know how you'll do it against uh, Tim Blakely, I think his name is. Yeah. His version that he won the PTQ with that ran four supers and four hawkers as a, basically a discard control deck, which is really good because when you can make them discard all their answers trying to keep 
pretending on the bets or whatever, and then play a big daddy out, or 6'6 Corlash, or I don't know how big he is at the time. It's really hard to deal with that. Yeah. And it should be pointed out that Tim Blakely is one of the Colorado players who traveled to Utah, wasn't that qualifier? Nebraska. No, he went to Utah. Brandon Sheen from Colorado went to Nebraska and won their qualifier. Um, I'm positive it was Blakely that won the Nebraska the Lincoln qualifier. Uh, I thought he was Utah. No. Oh. Yeah, either way. I know that at least two Colorado players have left the state more than qualifiers already. Both playing teaching. The only reason I remember that is because it was one of the key points that Tim put on his application because he's currently applied for Team Unknown Stars. We're still reviewing his application at this time. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I've been driving long before any of y'all did. But I'm not a member. <laughs> I've also never applied to that, that situation, too. Uh, anyways. So, what do you expect is the... Alright, we should have Glenda here today, right? Glenda will be here. And Brett Piazza should be here, right? Yes, they, they will be here. So that's... But although uh, Brett is qualified, so he won't be playing. Oh, okay. So, alright, so two of the team unknown stars will be in attendance at least, right? Yes. Is there a third one that I'm not sure where? Uh, no, not none that I can think of. Okay. Not that's been accepted yet. Okay. I know uh, Steve spouts out about it a lot in Denver, so we've had a lot of subpar Denver players apply. Uh, a lot of good ones apply, too. Don't get me wrong. Uh, none that have yet been accepted because uh, busy. the team's been really busy with Nationals and Gen Con and all the qualifiers that are happening right now. Right. We've got Gavin uh, continuously testing block extirpating the crap out of people trying to steal some Japanese tag. That was, that was Olivia Ruel's original idea was to play a deck with uh, 56 swaps and 4 extirpates and figure out what other people are playing and see didn't build a deck based on that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got quite a few extirpate screenshots that we're studying right now. The most recent being a Japanese mono red deck with Donald Might and Molten Firebird, believe it or not. Um, trying to figure out that. See, it's out the tree. I would have considered... I would have considered something intriguing like that if I had seen it. But anyway. Apparently, Gavin said he played the deck really well. Uh, he's a Japanese pro. And he, he said that it was really, really rough to beat. And we are at the site, and there are no cars here, so I'm wondering if Chris got the right location for the tournament now. I want to point out it's also now an app early. Uh, <laughs> Let's keep that in mind here. Well, there's still usually something here. You know, through the So, back on the road again. Bradford takes his head. Chris posts the information about the PPQs. I guess he didn't leave his own post to find out where it was. I posted it four months ago. That is a really good restaurant right up there, though. They've got some light to eat ribs. Oh, yeah? Oh, that would be that Monday. Because the next time, next, the next time we get a winner, we have light to eat ribs. There you go. <laughs> 
Well, you were the one who got the name up on there in the first place with like, what, two top eight wins right off the bat with it. 
So you were one of the like impacted the PEs and started making people take notice of it. Good luck, you're really it's great. The Ronald Hawk cars can take information from other people from other websites and like post it on his and take credit for it all. It's hilarious. The man probably even never even tested the deck. And just like you know, I put in random pointers about it. He's a robot, don't you know that? It's Carson bot. Serious lack of respect, bro. Serious lack of respect. You're probably worth credit to you. Yeah. I'm surprised he hasn't talked much about the Vanderbilt deck. Vanderbilt deck's a really solid deck, too. I've noticed it was put up some results lately, but I don't know how to play against it either. I don't remember the guy's name that came up with the original um, Gotham Raiders Tomboid build of it, but it, it, it's a really solid deck. Like, that build has so many threats because not only can it reanimate something that's just going to crush your dreams, the threats that it just plays, like the Gotham, the Gotham Raiders, the Tomboids, just are huge by themselves. Just so you have to deal with them the whole time they're building up for this huge reanimation spell. So I get like a combo which after you use your damnation on a turbo boy from the Gotham Raiders, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Or body double for that matter. I mean the deck is just really solid. Well, yeah, I provide the directions. I printed them off of 
Like MapQuest or Google Maps. Who had a giant PPQ was great. Luckily, I remembered a little rap from living in Oklahoma for a short period of time. We over overshot our exit by a bit, which ended up benefiting us because we ended up getting there quicker. But uh, if we wouldn't have stopped at the gas station, then we would have been long gone past where we needed to be. Yeah. And that took some convincing to do because Chris thought we were on the right track. Didn't you, Chris? Fine. <laughs> I'll concede that point. I thought we were on the right place at the time. See, this is the right exit. Yeah, we only had a backtrack. We did backtrack. We were going north, now we're going south to get there. Yeah, we took turns. We turned as the exit, headed east, turned like two blocks down, turned again. There we are. Cars. Hold on. And when we pulled up to Bahala's, I hate that place, by the way. I, I have no problem going on record as saying that is the worst store in Denver. That store has no... Yeah, I want to see Enchanted Grounds run PTQs. And Enchanted Grounds is great. Enchanted Grounds loves their players. Enchanted Grounds respects their players. And the owner is a magic player. The owner is great. Valhalla's, on the other hand, all they care about is getting that money, no matter how they can, when they can, whatever they can. Uh... Their tournaments are run. Like, for example, they had a tournament with 19 people, and they only did five rounds with a cut to top four. Um, and the organizer's excuse when, uh, or the girl running the tournament, which is an employee of them, her excuse for running it that way is because she felt it was ridiculous to add a round or make it a top eight. Because she wanted to get out of the red at six. So, I mean, now the funny part is that was a week or two after um, uh, um, Nick Bottom convinced her that they should be top eight instead of top four. Um, the message on the, the Denver list box. Excuse me while I cheat. Pardon me. Yeah, I shouldn't do this, but I will. Tough. Look for handicap parking, right? It's only good until the end of the month. Yeah, you My three year expires at the end of this month. <laughs> Here's something funny. Walk into Wow well, High and, uh, you know, get greeted by half a dozen people, you know, get acknowledged by half a dozen people. I feel like Helmut's walking into a tournament. You <laughs> acknowledgments everywhere. Seems interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how Gibson Wallace is like. Not. Think about it. Shivan Wallace in a field where people want to play as much as 30 mana sources. Do you think it's ever going to exist in play? Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, sorry, you'll find a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people. Hands, covering, deckless, you know, the typical 
Right. Scared. Oh, you're going to find my tech. Yeah, well, that's why you do your deck list before you get here. If the tech was found, it'd be found already. So. Yeah, it would just sort of. Lots of red cards, lots of red cards. Typical Denver, lots Yeah, I got my, my photo delayed on Bakery, but getting real ones was hard. Thank you so much. You got collateral? Yeah. Okay. You know how to find me. Oh, I, I do. So let me just uh, talk to Matt. I'll let you know where I have to Okay. Just that? Well, look at it. Figure it out. Is it, has it been a year already? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it has. I got your GP St. Louis, wow. which was last. Um, end of July. It's been over a year. I do not. Is that a question you've been asking? It's actually a real question. How does Baron Glory affect the Grand New League? We don't know. We don't know. So I shouldn't do that when I go to the Yes, you should. Yeah, Baron Glory. Call the judge and ask if there's no top eight if I win all the prize. Um, it's being debated uh, about range of influence. If it's very worried, is it because an opponent situation or because of a personal situation? Yeah. Just curious what that actually does. Well, yeah, but it does say somewhere in the multiplayer rules that an effect causes you to win causes your opponents to lose. But what we can't decide is whether that's all of your opponents or just the ones that are within your range of influence. So if you have a range of two on either direction, does that mean four people lose and then the rest are in play? All of a sudden, um, and you continue the game with that, or does the effect continue to apply to them as they come in range, or does it apply to everybody? I don't know. No, we don't have that answer yet. It's being argued by the rules dealers, so. And since it's a format that doesn't see a lot of sanctioned play until all of a sudden Gen Con made it really viable, it hasn't gotten a lot of attention before now, but I think now it probably has a little higher priority, so. Well, the next Underworld Dreams right away, this interpretability is no go. Ah. Uh, <laughs> like, ah, okay. That's range only, right? Right. Yeah. But, yeah, Coalition Victory, Baron Glory, those kinds of things. Undecided at this point. Yeah. yeah. It's been posted to the judge list, uh, or to the rules list, as a question. Okay. And probably in anticipation of Gen Con's Grand Melee. So I'm sure that there will be something before then. I mean, there has to be an answer how to deal with it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's always best to ask the head judge because his understanding of our decision may not match our decision. Yeah, and one of the struggles is we make policy decisions and we disseminate. And we're better at making the decisions than... And we, we try to disseminate, but that doesn't mean that everybody hears it. So. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It should be a lot of fun. 200 players in the grand they like. Just insane. going to have to have like 10 turn tables at least. Maybe 20. No idea. You're going to do it. Yeah. No idea. Yeah. Two people play a single game. Attack left, defend right is what they're saying. That seems ridiculous. Attack open. Pretty much. It should be really insane. 
actually kind of glad I'm not a judge for that. Huh. What made him want to do that idea? Who was I doing this? Probably the organizers of Gen Con. <laughs> or somebody that convinced my girlfriend where this would work. I don't know. I, I don't know where it came from. He had to find off of it, I would think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, Mike goes to have fun, too. Just like, yeah. Any of us, so. It's definitely chaotic. Yeah. yeah. He probably won't play it. Yeah. <laughs> I would if I could. Uh, it's getting into the Iron Man thing, right? I remember the old days of Iron Man, Grey Man, like, uh, getting all the time. Same. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I knew you saw it here. Oh, that's Las Vegas. Yeah, that's Vegas. Yeah. Joke, we had Joe here, we got Ryder and Jork, who had not been seen in a year. You know. Ah, uh, there is the last minute. Huh? I was here at nine. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so I'm assuming you found that interesting enough to record that. No! Hey, so we people here from Utah, from South Dakota, and Las Vegas, along with the normal sets and crowds of those here. Many names I've not seen in forever, like Tommy York and Brian Ryder, two of the guys I used to play a lot with, and so they dropped off first first about three years ago, three or four years ago. Tommy's fault completely. <laughs> <laughs> they somehow convinced me to pay a third of their ticket to go to San Francisco, so I had to come for practice. That's cool. It's actually kind of interesting to see all three of you guys out of retirement. <laughs> we got bored with Wow, so we had to do something else. Alright. You playing online tonight again? Yeah. Most of practice has been online, so we figured out most of the metagame and then we uh, fought what we thought was 2 1 
Congratulations on my top eight or my win. One of those two things. It didn't, it's not happening, obviously. Uh, That's bad omen, dude. Never. But, uh, never. But anyway, this is what That's happened. a bad omen, dude. I've been playing since Nationals, and I picked this deck up the night before. And then on top of that, I've had the worst luck I've ever seen in my life. So, yeah. I've lost to... I'm... Everything. Turn, turn zero on Lucky Man's Paradise. Turn one Sliver. Turn two, Swamp Sedge Sliver. Seems good, right? That seems alright. Sliver Legion plus Essence Sliver. Solid. Sliver Legion plus Essence Sliver on consecutive turns. Well, we got all together, bounce back from one. Nice, right? Yeah. Awesome. That's how my day's going, in case you're wondering. Oh, at least you didn't lose the random stuff. No, it's Slivers with Sliver Legion and Essence Sliver, and it's no way as random. I almost got beaten by uh, Jason Henry's son. Fine. Fine. That little kid? Yeah, 
Yeah, they're really slow. I go white. <laughs> Are you taking me and Lou to Boulder with you? Yes, I am taking you guys back to Boulder tomorrow. Gonna be awesome times. We're okay. with Fred and I are moving out of our place into a new place. We're gonna throw a moving party. Okay. Thousand helium balloons, hundred people. You know. Yeah, yeah we'll do whatever you want to yeah, do, man. Yeah. No, no, leave it on there. Just go to Topic Magic. No, not more. I got moved. I'm an MTG guy. When are we gonna see this? Like nine weeks from today. I don't know what. Well, I, I gave all this stuff to Dom. He told me he's like, all right, I'm gonna post it one of the week. It's like, this is how you want to set up. Like, I thought he was gonna like take groups. As a week. Oh. Not, not the individual files of the week, but nah, eh, whatever. And then again, I'm waiting for two weeks for the whole, uh, We Hate Christian podcast to finally get posted. I don't know who Christian is. Let's put it this way. I have a secondary recording that I have yet to edit where he admits that he uses dad's business card to pay for a $300 hooker. And that's not why he got kicked out of the house. <laughs> now you gotta tell me what's worse than that that gets you kicked out of the house. <laughs> Why did you, why did you podcast that? Well, what does that have to do with magic? We all know God loves games, but see recursion. Match just won me solely on that fact. Back to mirror match, the only real di- real issue difference was the fact I had a force and two games blessings, and pretty much everything else was damn near card for card. And we ran the entire thing, and I decked them, at which time, during shuffling for game two, time was called. So, yes. So, I lose game one of this last match, which I lost. It was against a green-blue aggro tempo deck, blink deck. However, I was flashing white for blinks and for mythical forces. However, game one, I was on the play, and I had dropped a turn, turn four to Fury against his two suspended Gift Watcher dudes, or whatever, the Bouncer dudes. On his turn, he goes call. However, I did not hear him say graft, and not looking up at the cards, I attack right into a grafted token. So I kind of feel halfway cheated about it, but... If I would look up, realize what he did, I guess I would have been alright, because I would not have attacked, and therefore I would have prevented all those guys from coming into play. Instead, he demolishes me because I let that shit go into play. So, I'm really ticked off because I didn't hear him say grab. He he, he insisted he did say it. Game two, I... Stunned the early beats. I uh, counteracted a pair of side blasts that he went to the head with and recovered with a pair of tendrils for, or three tendrils for 9, 11, and 13, respectively. And uh, in, in the, in the, get him in the pickles lock eventually and beat him. Um, or not pickles lock, actually. It was the Brian Elemental beatdown that beat him. Game three. I run out of options, start drawing nothing for a while. Might have sideboarded my deck wrong. So I probably took out too many mystical teachings in, in retrospect, but he gets me down and eventually beats me with a thresholded mystic enforcer that attacks twice for the for the final damage. Um, I couldn't get a Pongo Pry out to, to kill it with. 
So that's my loss now. So I'm three one and one and not happy about it. When was strategic content the absolute point of my show? Since every time I've talked on here, it's not oh, wow. true at all. I know. I'm just saying. What? I mean, you need to let you know what I'm doing. I'm excited. I don't know if my part is drawn. He's getting better than me. I am proud of you. For once, for once I'm proud of you, Donnie. Cheater. How much did you cheat today? I haven't. I haven't seen you, so I believe you. Yeah. Oh, no. Dude, I haven't seen you in a while. Oh, man. Who's getting hurt up? Look at this side. I don't see where I'm at. I dropped a 30 cloud. That sucks. I was about 20 for a while. So Kenny's gonna go. Yep. So Kenny and Joe need to get paired up, and they're both in, basically. Oh, so man. Yeah, I played him too. I mean, I don't know the other guys. Where was the record? Hey, bro. Where was the record? Which means that if you lose on tiebreaker, you him. 
But I was the bracket of up. It doesn't matter. You have the same record. You should be 4 1 2. You should be 4 1 2 as well. Instead of 4 2 1. Instead of 4 yeah. You can't both have gotten a loss to each other. One of them would have won. Maybe I should have. Go 4 1 1. Instead of a draw. Time was called. They go through the process. Instead of a. You say, okay, one guy says, I can't win. Yeah. Okay. They put up all their cards, and then one of them says, after everything's all packed up, they're actually leaning on it. One of them says, okay, I have a better chance of making top eight for you. Would you concede? That's not allowed by the guidelines. And I say, one of them is five, one and one now? Yes. Because they broke the rule. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Okay. oh. Now the light bulb goes off. It goes off. Better late than never, right? Finally, what? Finally. Yes. Yes, Brooklyn? Uh, I would think so. Nice. Nice. Great, I'm at 17. One spot The jokes. The hot Oh, look at me. Number one, are you serious? I'm ridiculous. Man, am I good at this. Man. Alright, y'all. Oh, sorry. Josh, I told you. I told you. Did any, anybody else have another pro point yeah. for. Carly won't have some. Does he? I told you. No, we got them at Grand Prix. They don't want to count Grand Prix as pro points. Yes, they do. You get pro points for life, but you don't get considered amateur, so you still get amateur status. Oh, okay. okay. They took their games out. Am I playing against. Like, who is this, dude? Who is Jose? The guy who was just, he was one of Job's friends. You don't know if you're playing against Jobs? Don't they randomize that game now? No. no. Like, Depends. Depend. The, the, the head judge has the option. Okay. They could, they could not. That's that the guy I was talking about. It's Job's friend, yeah. Um, number one, brother. Number one. No. Yeah. 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 So, basically, my sideboard cards were different than my main deck cards. By not after sideboard, but you can see a difference. It helped by 15 sideboard cards different from my main deck. Apparently, that is a game loss. The cards are not in my deck because there's a suitable pattern due to my sideboard. And if it is, it's not consistent. Because when I got double deck checked, the guy I played against, they said, well, your slates are bad in your sideboard. All they did is give them a warning and these slates your sideboard. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. 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 Thank you. 
make sure that you take the cyborg partnership and see if you can do so you can turn on the cyborg. My view is the fact that when they said, you know, this is how we can tell their marks is a discernible pattern, is because we can go through and take them out. My team was never really a big fit. He would pick out maybe three of my cyborg parts and like three lands. And they would never see cyborg parts. Like, you pick out like two magnuses and a spellburst. And then I kind of pick out two spellburst and a mask. Or like, you know, and then three different lands every time. There was no there was no way to
showing Gargadon with two Gargadons suspended. Game three, uh, he proceeded to draw three Avalanche Riders and, well, turn one suspended Gargadon and then play three Avalanche Riders just wrecking my face. Nothing I could do. Yeah, I know it does. Last match I won because of tempo stuff again. I mean, I lost this match because of tempo. Game one, he pretty much he countered a couple of early things, bounced a couple of early permanents, and when I was trying to commit either a tempo or a damnation to the board, he had back-to-back mystic things. Yet another Denver PTQ with at least half of top eight being very subpar build back. Yeah. I'm not confident that Jonathan Job's deck is very good. He's got the blue-white pickles deck. He's got the blue-white pickles deck with uh, Casterns and Magus of the Tabernacle. Uh, That's reasonable. It's just not a good card choice for a tournament like uh, Grand Prix San Jose. I just don't think his deck would do well there. I think he got some lucky matchups basically the random red-green decks that Denver has instead are good, but that's how Denver is. Uh, there's a lot of players in Denver that... Yeah, they generally are more aggro here than they are control out. So, I played nothing but blink, mob, uh, blink decks and control decks all day except for one matchup. Denver just can't let... A lot of the Denver players just can't let go of the aggressive style. Uh, even though it's up more, they will play it and they will try and convince you the world that it's the best of the woman. Um, I also think that the other guy that came up from Nebraska, or I mean from Vegas, I believe, uh, Jonathan Torres or something like that. Yeah. Um, I don't think his deck was very good at all. I mean, he was running like Magus of the Abyss. Uh, so good on paper, though. Magus of the Abyss, uh, Sulfurous Blast, teachings that it just happened to get lucky with. I watched a couple of his matches and like Magus of the Abyss, all it was was an untargeted air, I guess you could say, that his opponent did not take advantage of. Because they would always die to himself. Or, well, I, I, I remember one time... It's not a targeted terror. Well, it's not really terror. It's an untargeted, sacrificed, non-artifact creature. Number one time, uh, he was tapping out during his upkeep to make uh, Urza's factory tokens. As a matter of fact, I, I, I believe that uh, he might have made a mistake one upkeep or his opponent just didn't catch him because I don't think Magus of the Abyss can destroy artifact creatures. No, yeah, he cannot touch an artifact creature. Well, I do remember seeing him Take a token during his upkeep and sacrifice the events. That's wrong. So I, I, I think he bought himself a win. Uh, I didn't notice at the time. I'm just now realizing as I'm thinking about it. Um, That's wrong. Uh, there was a situation. Here, hang on this one. What do you think I'm doing? This one's like right here. Okay. 
Well, you will not do it. Okay. Well, according to you. Well, yeah. there was a situation in Nick Bonham and Jonathan Job's match. Uh, Nick had lost game one, and they got random deck checks after their first game. Uh, I, I do believe that it was random because in the prior round, uh, myself and uh, Travis Sparrow, uh, the vintage world champion, I believe, were deck checked after our game one as well. Both of us were fine. Uh, but between Nick and Jonathan, uh, John got a game loss for Mark Sweeps. So they had to go into game three at one and one. Jonathan had Casper and Casper, Magus and the Tabernacle invite. Uh, end of Jonathan's turn, Nick Riddle of Lightning, the Magus of the Tabernacle, missing, showing a land, putting two cards on top, a uh, land and a land. Uh, he needed two reds so he could pay the tabernacle on his morph creature, which wasn't a chroma. I mean, it was, it was dead obvious the way he was playing. Um, and as soon as he revealed the land, Jonathan and everybody around me right away that he had to have had another land on top after that to morph the angel of the next turn. Uh, but that turn passed. Uh, then Jonathan again ended his turn. Nick had no responses. Nick, knowing what he was going to draw, drew the card, but put it directly face down on the table, didn't look at it. I, if I knew what I was going to draw, I would not look at the card either. I would put it directly face down on the table, knowing what was happening. Realized he did not, everybody around and then realized he had not paid for the magazine tabernacle. A uh, local judge came by who I, I cannot argue his friends with. Nick and possibly Joe too, but I know he's friends with Nick. Um, and I'm not trying to start. Well, Nick and, let's put it this way. Nick and Joe are also on the same team at one point in time. Nick, yeah, so I, Joe has since moved to Vegas and became a car dealer. Exactly. I'm not in no way trying to start any controversy. I respect Nick. He's a great person. And I do consider him a friend. We've had our differences and we've gone over them. He's also a real guy. Yeah, he, he is. He's very real. When, when the judge came over... That, of course, being in the other podcast room and they were. Nick had made it seem like he hadn't drawn the card because he hadn't looked at it. When, in fact, and I think even Nick would say now, that he knew he wasn't, he had no intentions of looking at the card when he was drawing it in the first place. He was just going to draw and he set it down and that was his hand. He moved it from the top of his deck to his hand, face down, didn't look at it because he already knew it was a mountain. He already knew he was going to play the mountain and it won't be a problem. He skipped right past the upkeep phase, missing the pay for Tabernacle. My opinion on it is he should have, it's his fault. I mean, if, if I'm going to be forced or anybody in Magic, I, mean, I did not miss a pad payment all day, but I'm sure people have. Uh, I know Otwell missed a pack payment, and it did cost him a game. I believe if people are going to miss a pack payment and have a game loss, if somebody misses a tabernacle payment, they should lose their creature. I mean, it's the same situation with less of a penalty. Except that the thing, well, the key was is that Joe was pointed to the judge that he put it 
on the floor, on the table, face down, and never looked at it during that turn, which is true. That, by definition, means the card was not going to get drawn. The fact that he knew what it was, it's, it's a moral issue. Yeah. I mean, Nick knows for a fact, and you're not fooling anybody. That card, he drew that card. He knew what it was. He knew what it was. But that's why he didn't. Card. That's why he didn't look at it because he knew what it was. He drew it. He put it into his hand, face down, because he was already entering into his main phase turn at that point. The argument that because the card was not looked at, I do not agree that he had not drawn his card, and I do not believe that the judge should allow him to back up. I think the penalty should have been the losing creature, as does several of the people watching yeah, the match. Nick benefited from technicality of, of how, how the rules get played out because he did not physically look at the front of the card. Correct. So he ran it by technical technicality. They played it exactly. The judges did it by the book. Correct. By technical book and how it should have played out. Correct. Now, situationally, yeah, that didn't quite work for what, what that particular situation is, but... 99.9% of the time, it does. The old that's me, technical ruling. What the old me probably would have taken advantage of that same situation. And the new, was not afraid to do it. The new me, I just, I, I don't think, I think I would have caught myself knowing that I drew that card and I would have explained it to the judge just like that. Now, if, in that situation, he decided to let me pay the upkeep more power to him. I think if you're going to have a penalty that strong for missing a pack payment, you should stick to the penalties all around. All right, so in the end, it benefited Nick, right? In the end, it benefited Nick, but, but, in the end, but it didn't matter. Cash. It didn't matter because Jonathan managed to get him at a low enough life total um, that he could swing in with his one cow sperm and the Magnus and Tabernacle, forcing him to block the cow sperm to stay alive, taking two from the Tabernacle, putting Nick at one, playing a creature, with Nick not having no cards in his hand. Nick drew a card. Um, he drew, he actually drew a Gotham Raiders with a significant amount of mana. Instead of playing the Gotham Raiders face up as a 5-5, Nick chose to discard it to the, to, uh, to his, um, Stormbind. Maybe it was because he was on tilt. He could have played it face up as a blocker and blocked the crap out of the tabernacle and John's morph creature. Nick still had an Akroma face up, and that would have given him a 5 5 blocker face up, and it would have given Joe two creatures. Granted, Joe then would flip the creature and cause Nick to skip his upkeep if Joe played one more land, drew a land off the top uh, to get to seven mana to unmorph the Brian Elemental. The situation could have been a lot different. Instead, Nick discredited to the uh, Stormbinds. Joe responded with his blink in hand, um, giving him two creatures to mix one Akroma, Nick being at one, good game. It's, it's a very controversial um, ruling. While they're waiting on the judge, Nick was pleading with, with Joe to give him a concession because that way they could both potentially be in the top eight. Right. Instead yeah. of Joe solidifying himself as being a member of the top eight, 
they were the biggest thing with that is Joe's timer is going into that round was for point five two. Yeah, yeah. There's no there. possible way if Joe would have given Nick the win, Joe would have been now even with a two oh victory in the next round, Joe would not have made top eight. He would have been in ninth to tenth place because the the ninth place person in the end of in the end game his tiebreakers were point five nine eight two. There's no possible way Joe's tiebreakers could have jumped that high. Uh, maybe. Especially because Nick would then draw the next round. Yeah. He would gain plus ten from Nick and then, like, minus five from Nick, so... Or minus three. Somewhere like those, like, plus ten to twelve, minus, like, three to five. So I don't know. Joe, the only possible threats was if, if Nick won that match would be if Nick would play the final round out and win for Joe's tiebreakers. Yeah. Even no, then, I, I his chances were slim to none. Joe is very correct in playing that out. I can't disagree with Joe's request. Or with Joe's decision. I cannot disagree with Joe's decision based on the logic of him only having a, 50, uh, a small, but just barely above 50% tiebreaker at the time. Nick then goes on and gets his ass, he gets smashed in the next, in the last round right there. It's not like us at the San Diego Cultural Qualifier, where we could have conceded our teammates into the top eights to make our chances to get to the Pro Tour a lot easier. Okay. Chris? Alright, fine. We made bad decisions. I mean, a lot of bad decisions. Uh, two top eights or two top fours with the people so, alright? No, I wouldn't say that. I did. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think anything we did in Nebraska was wrong. I played too much mana in Nebraska. No, you can't say that. I mean, 17 lands. 17 lands in a deck that capped and had three cards above four mana. Matter of fact, you played 16. You ended up playing 16 lands in Nebraska. And you're trying to say you should have went 15 and you shouldn't have. I think it was only four cards that cost four in that entire deck. I and it's one that cost five in that one was Ignite Nemesis. I, I still don't think you go 15 land. That's, a, that's an argument uh, to be discussed. It was mono red, dude. It was, it was a mono red deck. Although it did have... Uh, the three land in this gold kind of deck. True. Um... I, I, I still don't think if you... I, I, I don't think we could have drawn better than our opponents. I'll put it that way. Our opponents drew uh, amazing. With, with, with 39 card decks, by the way. Yeah, as we found out Cheaters. later. Cheaters. As we found out later. So. They qualified and got on the boat tour with no discussion from anybody. Beyond that. Some highlights of the day, I guess. Uh, let's see. I never did get Joe or Kenny to... Well, I wanted Kenny to sit down and talk in general. Well, I wanted Joe to tell me what, what the deal was with Kegel. I never got a chance to get him to do that. What, what Joe left on the Vegas? Oh. Uh, 
Uh, Gable supposedly owed Joe some like $3,500 that he stole. Joe, got, Joe sat down and he told Frank and myself the whole story. Yeah, I just want to joke, I want to joke to say it, but, you know. He's like, that's the whole reason Cable was not this event. Because he knew Joe was going to be here. It's not just that. Cable got banned from several stores under Virginia during the, uh, the end of the city championship season. So he's banned from the stores, not from Magic. Right. And from what I understand, he talked to the cable. He got into a big argument with Andy Heck, demanding that Andy listen to his side of the story. And, and, because, well, it came up at the wedding of Ken, Ken's wedding. Cable was talking about how he was refuting why he got caught for cheating. Supposedly, and demanded that Andy Heck, the, the guy who's in charge of the DCI judge stuff, and the, and the, the policy, the guy who enforces the, the rules of, of the bans and whatnot, right? Yeah. He was having a series of emails back and forth with Andy about it, about what happened and, and what the judges wrote down, and his, his attempting to refute everything that we had said or stuff about what he said, and that the judges were refusing to listen to his side of the story and whatnot, and Supposedly, Andy said, like, fine, then we'll just, then, then, there's something about Andy says, fine, we'll just drop it to right now, and I'll think about it. And he says, no, you want to ban me, then ban me. And, and didn't get her an answer back from Andy Heck, but he hasn't been banned either, so I don't know. He hasn't been added to the, uh, to the list of band players, so he just got banned from a few stores over here for Katie. Weird. Playing drown at the very end of the city championship season because he was he was actually among the top four points leaders right until about the last two weeks. At which point he dropped to twelve because he was no longer allowed to play. Couple of those stores. Wonder why. Wonder how he got to being that high in points. Well, obviously somebody caught him, yep. and, and my, I know Mike King was involved in catching him, but. Mike won't give me the straight story on, on record. Wait, this is 70. Yeah, where are you calling? Oh, I'll go 70. Yeah. So, yeah, Mike, he won't tell me the exact story with Gable, but I know that he was involved in, in, in the discussions and him being caught. Why don't you have Mike tell you off? They won't talk about it. He's a level three judge. He's not supposed to talk about it. Just because of his standing. That's why he won't talk about it. But Cagle always knows that, that that Mike had it out for him and was always trying to catch him doing something. Cagle was always cheating. We caught Cagle cheating. We got Cagle two or three or four times. We got Cagle. We caught Cagle cheating. That blind girl. Yeah, you got caught that. He, he drew extra cards against me once. I wonder how many tricks of the trade. Oh, that's another story. I know he's trying to teach his tricks of the trade to other people, players as well. Like who?
Like who? I don't remember that girl's name. Oh, the girl he was dating? Yeah, I don't remember her name. Susie or whatever? Yeah, Susie was her name. And there's another kid that Jan says was doing Jason something. Noah? Not Noah. Noah was great. No, he quit because he couldn't get any of that this work. Wasn't it wasn't Copas, it wasn't anybody you'd see nowadays. It was someone else. And I always suspected that Joe taught him some stuff, but that's... Joe or Cagle? Joe taught Cagle. Joe, I've seen, I've caught doing some things that are questionable before. And I, but I wasn't sure if they were even across, if they were over the line or not. It was, just, it was special. It was things involving the outside of a match that I didn't know at the time were or were not and then ended up finding out that they were in fact not legal hell you were involved in one of them that's fine that was one of the graphs that you top aided at and you was right top aided at oh or yeah where he wrote down every card that his opponent drafted yeah that his opponent did that his friend's opponent drafted yeah and then we all went outside and had a big debate about what was in the tag. Hey, they got the blues from Joe anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a horrible deck too, but nonetheless. Well, at the time, I didn't know if that was legal or not what he did. Turned out when I finally got to talk to Scott about it later. Scott did not interpret what I was trying to talk to him about as being, quote, important at the time. That should have got his friend banned from the, from the tournament for doing that. As well as Joe's kicked out of the site. As, as I found out later. So I thought he said it was legal or whatever. Joe said it was legal, and as it's done all the time. Well, when we, no, when we were, when we, me and you talked to tried to get Scott's attention. Scott didn't think what I was trying to tell him was, quote, important because he was too busy at the time setting up or doing stuff necessary for the top eight draft. He didn't want to talk about it. he didn't want to talk about other stuff at the time. I guess the way I approached it, trying to approach him, the way I said it, you know, without telling him because Joe was too close to listen to, you know, right. at the time. So and, and the way I tried to put it without giving any hints of what it was about, I didn't express the concern across enough that maybe it, was, it just didn't sit right at the time. Well, I didn't get her back to it yet. Scott didn't take it into consideration. Innuendo, as it were. Because he said something about scatting being perfectly legal. Yeah. That too. There's like got to be a borderline where scouting and what he was doing is. There is. That, that's not quite scouting. There's scouting for information, and then there's supplying complete information of deck lists and stuff on that is not available to anyone else in the tournament. There's, there's a certain point where you question the legality, but anyway, beyond, beyond that. Uh, I called the judge like four times today. 
to get my phone this morning. First up. Okay. Huh? Huh? I think I called the judge over like four times for a warning today. Um, what? Uh, one was like forgetting to do upkeep effects because it's way too quickly. Um, another one because the guy wants to draw a card. Yeah. And the, his deck was near the end of the table. Well, he knocked the next card off the top of his deck into his lap, face up. <laughs> Um, see, what else was there? What was the ruling on that? They're just looking at extra cards. Shuffle up the deck. Crazy. Morning. Uh, Can he say something about it right when it happened? Or? Oh, we both caught it right away. We oh, saw okay. it happen. <laughs> it wasn't like no, it was it was an accidental knockoff, you know. He wasn't like trying to. He was he knocked knocked it off as he would pull his hand away from the deck. He like he like dragged it with the other card. Kind of thing. Uh, I can't think of anything else for a moment now. What do you like or dislike about tenth edition at this point? I haven't really looked at much of it. I haven't really had time to mess around with it for a lot. I think there's some great prints, but... So, you, you've just been focused on block for Grand Prix and for the PGQ? Yeah. I should have spent more time this past week and a half working on block online. I would have played, if I would have done that, I would have played a lot better today. I had a deck that was good enough quality-wise to make top eight.